This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. podcast about the books you've been meaning to read my name is craig my name is andrew and it is genuine scary <laughs> happy boo year <laughs> in Man. days of blood langsine many spooky returns everybody oh, yes yeah hi i'm baby new year but i'm a skeleton i guess <laughs> My year, my New Year's resolution is murder. Mm-hmm. We finally, Henry is still saying Happy New Year, Mommy, before he goes to bed every night. And it's January 26th. <laughs> we did only get him to stop listening to Charlie Brown Christmas every day on like the 16th. So, I, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> could you? I don't, I, I, we try so hard to get him into these holidays, sort of holiday specific things. And then. You can't just tell him, well, no, we don't get to do the fun thing anymore. We hype this thing up to make it sound really fun, and now it's over, and you have to stop. Can you roll him over to uh, Valentine's Day? Mm, I don't know. Is there a Vince Guaraldi score for Valentine's Day? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, if folks in the chat, please tell us. We are doing our January Scary bonus stream. We have people in the chat with us live here on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. If you are a Patreon supporter of a certain tier, patreon.com slash overdue pod, you can join us for future streams. The next one's going to be in February. Mm-hmm. Andrew, this we are, we're doing this one about a scary book yeah. because we couldn't do one in October because I had a kid. Yep. Scariest thing of all. Yep. And now we're here to talk about a book. You picked it. I did pick it. I don't ask me if I have an interesting story about finding it. I don't. I just googled uh-huh. like I like I do. Uh, it's the Horror Store by Grady Hendrix. What made you pick it? It was a scary book that takes place in an IKEA knockoff, and I was like, "That sounds interesting. That's probably mm. that's probably something." It is probably something. <laughs> it seems like it came it's out, something. It came out in like 2014, I think. Yeah, and it was on just some like fun. Scary novella list. I think you you did end up finishing it, right? I did, yes. Okay, so we both read it. Yep. I had a good time with it. I thought it was fun. I also had a good time with it. Yeah. I think there, to like get my meh out of the way, like I think the last, and this is probably true of other horror movies and other like things in this genre that I've partook in, um, the like <laughs> final act can get a little shaggy. Yeah. As you're like getting out of, you know, you know it's going to resolve and whatever climactic encounter has already happened. Yeah, I have my, I, I don't want to, I guess, front load with my, my, uh, the thing I, the smart thing I came up with to say while Henry was refusing to stand still so I could put a diaper on him. Sure. <laughs> Sure, but, but I do have one later. I'll drop. I'll drop it later. This is foreshadowing. I'm okay. going to drop a fun, a cool insight later. Listen to the rest of the podcast, and you'll hear yeah, Andrew's cool and insight. Don't take my word for it. So uh, Grady Hendrix is an author of books. Mm-hmm. Um, He's born in the '70s, sometime. Nobody yeah. knows exactly <laughs> Nobody when for knows. some reason. Um, worked in psychiatric research for getting into writing. Has written a bunch of horror and horror adjacent books. I think. His Mostly two. in like a an intersection between horror and and comedy. Yes. Uh, so yes. Uh, there's a book called The Final Girl Support Group based on the final girl trope from horror movies. Yep. Uh, the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires: How to Sell a Haunted House. And then he's also done some other the yeah the Southern Book Club the one is a sequel ish to My Best Friend's Exorcism. Mm-hmm. Uh, which the cover art for that looks like an old horror movie VHS cover. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what he's operating in. Mm-hmm. And he had a pretty successful 
nonfiction book called Paperbacks from Hell, a history wow. <laughs> of horror fiction in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also helped found the New York Asian Film Festival, which I think was due to his interest in a- Asian horror movies. And they yeah, needed I think a he's place written to some screen them. He's yeah. written some stuff about kaiju and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's also has he written some screenplays as well? I think he has. Um, Probably. Yeah, but that's not actually like the most interesting part. He is the not to me the most interesting part of where this book came. Yeah, from. Yeah, get out of here, Grady Hendrix. What? No, what you, you done, wrote the what book. What it's have fine. you done for me lately? <laughs> <laughs> but I was surprised, like, when I was leafing through the beginning of this book, and it's like, oh, it was made by, uh, it was published by Quirk Books, and they're in Philadelphia. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. interesting. I'll look that yeah, up local later. Yeah, bo- local boys. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're more well-known or have made more well-known things than I expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, they were founded in 2002, and most of their early bo- books were, like, weird I think they must have been like adaptations of like web 1.0 humor blogs or something. You get uh, the worst case scenario survival handbook, the baby owner's manual, and my personal favorite, Penis Pokey. I I saw the field guide to stains. Mm -hmm. This, in one article I read about them, it talks about these books being, and I remember this, you know, growing up in a town with a big old mall. And it would come Christmas time and you go to the borders and be like, what can I get for my friends who I don't know what to get them? I'm going to get a silly book. Yeah. And they're, they're like exclusively, they are onion articles yes. in so far as the one joke is yes. like on the cover. And then the entire text of the book is that joke repeated over and over again. Yes. And they actually kind of, <laughs> uh, in one interview, kind of blame the rise of you know, BuzzFeed humor type, you know, blog stuff as like, well, that's where all that stuff went and you don't need to buy a $15 book to get Mm -hmm. it anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And they kind of strike gold, Andrew, with an adaptation of a famous work of literature. In 2009, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies comes out, which launches a line that they call Quirk Classics that features books like... Uh, Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters and William Shakespeare's Star Wars. Do you remember we went to that one Book Riot event and they did like a reading from part of that? I do. You remember I, rem- that? I remember going. I don't remember anything about that. Some of reading. the uh, some of the audiobook cast. It's it was <laughs> fun. I remember it. But it's just like a, a fun combination of free public domain works. Yep. And whatever the fad of the like the pop culture fad of the moment happens to be they also were responsible for miss peregrine's home for peculiar children which has gone yeah. on to be like a big bestseller a couple of people in the chat shouting out android karenina as their favorite of the <laughs> quirk classics that's very good mm-hmm. but this what's that guy's name um the, guy. the guy who's in charge of this publishing house uh oh. the master of quirk for this New York Times article, Jason Reculak. Huh. Um, he got a job with this other guy uh, working at Quirk Books, and he was the one who came up with the idea for this novel. He was shopping for furniture at the IKEA in Philadelphia, a mm-hmm. place I have purchased many items of furniture I've purchased, from. I've purchased several items, and I think we both have stuffed things in our house from IKEA. yes yes you have that creepy heart with the human arms and well, i that, have like a t-rex <laughs> yes i think i also have a triceratops from there mm-hmm. both we have two couches from ikea my desk is from ikea yeah i think I, like henry's dresser it's just odds and ends a lot of our stuff is wayfair but a bunch of it is ikea <laughs> yep 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 um and he just had the idea like a lot of their books he kind of comes up with the elevator pitch for the book and then hires a writer to make it. So like mm-hmm. he had this idea of like, oh, Ikeas are weird and and could be scary and have a very distinct environment. What if we got someone to write a creepy book there? Yeah. And it's and I have the the physical copy right here. I think this is part of the sell if you're like Oh, and it'll look like an IKEA catalog, which it does. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about the like artwork in the book, but just from a like a printing and physical layout thing, it is like the IKEA 
yeah. catalog that you might get in the mail. Yeah, there's a lot of um, the the art in it is really effectively used. I think they do a really good job aping IKEA like furniture and descriptions. Yep, yep. And then things slowly um, drift. Let's say as the book <laughs> goes on in ways that we can talk about. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff like in the back of the book when it ends that I actually liked a lot too. Oh um, sure. That weekend that we can talk about, but yeah, it's sprinkled throughout with just like what looks like ads for these furniture pieces yep. that yeah uh the illustrator is michael rogalski and the cover artist is christine ferrera um do you want to talk about ikea first andrew like what's what's your aside from having the some of the furniture yeah like my experience that's pretty i don't really i've never i've had some of the food but i don't go for the food like that's not part of a day at ikea for me like i am in there to by one thing I went there for, one thing I didn't go there for, and get out. Mm, so you're trying yeah. to resist the Gruen effect. Yes. Yes. The Gruen effect is the reason it is all laid out the way it is. Mm-hmm. There's multiple 99% invisible episodes about this guy, Gruen, who's an Austrian guy who's behind the American Mall. It's re- yeah, it's referenced and worked into the like plot of the of the book. Yes. Um <laughs> basically that like the way it's laid out, the fact that they have food courts where you can sit and like think about your purchases, this thing called Bulla Bulla, Andrew, which is the you know how there are just big crates full of stuffed animals or you know, a shelf yeah. full of cheap pots or whatever yeah. mm-hmm. that is specifically there to get you to look at like a something that is there in bulk in volume, which implies that it might be a little cheap. And then you mm-hmm. can just grab one because you're like, oh, I'll just take one of those. That's cool. Sure. Um, also, maybe it's something cute. So you get like a rush of like little dopamine mm-hmm. um, and it's all the like and they talk about this in the book, like the fact that like the main aisle curves every 50 feet there's a bunch of hidden doorways you know there's, a, there's an open there, the there, wallet section there are a couple of lines in the book that are so the the ikea stand-in in this book is called orsk orsk and this isn't a universe where ikea doesn't exist it's a that was a, a surprise universe, to me yeah it, yeah me too it's a it's a universe where orsk is biting ikea's style and doing just a slightly worse job yeah (laughs) orsk was designed to move customers counterclockwise keeping them in a state of retail hypnosis going the opposite way felt like walking through a carnival spook house with all the lights turned on the effect was ruined Mm. i don't know if you've ever tried to go against the flow in an ikea it's weird not if you're not cutting through the designated shortcut lane yeah it is very disorienting yes Mm -hmm. it's always strange to me when like for some reason or another, the aisle is busted. There's like a mm-hmm. reason to go the wrong way, and that's mm-hmm. very disconcerting mm-hmm. in an IKEA. Um, but yeah, I was just looking up like <clears throat> their founder, um, Ingvar Komprad, who started it in the fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he was the one who introduced the flat packing stuff. He also recognized that at first it was a mail order business. But then if you actually had the flat pack stuff in a store, people would get less, you know, they could actually pick out the thing they wanted. Mm-hmm. There are over like 300 stores worldwide. And they re- their first one in the U.S. was in 1985. Uh, and then they like blew up in 2000 when they started selling stuff online. And then I just wanted to shout out this part of the Britannica article I was reading about Mr. Comprad, mm-hmm. where it says uh, he wrote... His autobiography, the book, included autobiographical information about Comprad, notably his involvement with Nazi and fascist groups in the 1940s, comma, for which he publicly apologized. I'm sure he was just in there to find out more about them so he could report them to somebody. To somebody, else. I'm sure he was just in there to find out. Yeah. To, to steal a Simpsons joke, to find out how to get away from there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, I, I just thought it was funny that the way that that was phrased in that article, Mm -hmm. uh, he has apparently been taken to task for it. And Ikea, you know, like every giant corporation, uh, has done a bunch of bad stuff. Yeah. uh, 
that mm-hmm. you can you can go like, read like, about. Like so many corporations, it does go. It does have light Nazi ties if you go back far enough. Well, you know, some illegal lumber operations and union yeah, busting. What's a, what's illegal? What's illegal about what trees? Laws? laws are just rules that people made up. Yeah. <laughs> so set the stage for this story, Andrew. Okay. Uh, Orsk is an Ikea like that is operating in this is in Ohio, right? Yeah, it is in Cuyahoga, 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 Cuyahoga. They reference East Cleveland at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, they, re- they reference Youngstown. They do too, reference Youngstown, the Youngstown Western store. Yeah, and then no, I think that's Ohio. Oh, is it? Is that Ohio still? Okay, never mind. They do reference Pittsburgh at oh, okay. one point, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we're in Cuyahoga County. Ohio. Ky- Cuyahoga. Cuyahoga. It's confusing because there's a U. Because I think, Ky- I think, man, my Ohio trivia is a little Uh-oh. Uh, rusty, but I think. We did do a whole book about yes, haunted the, Ohio. Yes, the Cuyahoga River is, is one ah. that caught on fire a bunch of times because it was so polluted. When you say the Cuyahoga, yes, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew's, Andrew's got way more Ohio cred than I do. I trust He's got the deep, the deep lore. The yes. deep lore. Um, we are, our, our main character is named Amy. She is a sort of like low to mid-level employee. She's not like brand new, but no. she also is not exactly like rocketing up in the organization either. Somebody who's a little downer luck. We are introduced to Amy in a way that I thought was pretty effective. Um, she has a Speedway coffee cup that she's drinking out of. She bought the coffee cup at the Speedway three weeks ago because it promised unlimited free refills and Amy needed to stretch her $1.49 as far as it would go. This was as far as it went. As she stared in dismay at the massive partners, the bottom of her cup finally gave up and let go, dumping coffee all over her sneakers. So it's just very like womp womp. Like yeah. you know exactly, you know who this person is. <laughs> she and owes she- everybody in her life just a little bit of money. She can't really get ahead. Yes. yes. And she she has management potential but we find out later in the book that she like just narrowly failed the exam that everybody says is super easy well she so she didn't fail it actually oh because she didn't well because there's a do you remember the little bit of art in between a chapter that was in was there a little note in there employee reviews yeah it was like we i'm i think she's management material i think we should fail her on her test and have her take it again in six months oh i missed that first half of that sentence oh yeah. no okay yeah. okay it's not like it's never referenced again nope. but, but it gives you some uh i guess insight into she, she's the kind of person who could i guess go places within this corporate structure if she were like less disdainful of it and not i'm not i am not saying it does not deserve disdain yes it's just well and- some people are better at going along to get along in a retail setting the other thing for her like arc throughout the book is that she like doesn't really seem to believe in herself anyway mm-hmm. um and doesn't really feel like she has a purpose or a, or a role which is keeping her from even figuring out what she wants to do next yeah um but of course that's compounded as you said andrew because like I think the way that she feels it is if she doesn't go home tonight, the night of the book with enough money to make her roommates happy, like they're going to send her back to her mom's trailer or something. Yeah. And it's a, a feeling I can relate to from be from being from Ohio and knowing people who are from Ohio mm. <laughs> is she just has this like vague desire to do something and like go somewhere else. Yeah. That was, I don't know. Like I, gr- I grew up in rural Ohio and I just, there just like was not a lot around and it was pretty homogenous and you just kind of, I, I personally felt like, like maybe is there's, is there other stuff out there I could be experiencing as a human being? <laughs> yep. Yeah. She's in her mid twenties. She's a good, I think like as an archetype, she's a good protagonist for this yeah. book. Mm-hmm. Um, You want to run down the other, characters before we get into the plot i think that will that will be helpful to anchor here's a here's a here's a question basil or basil i was hearing basil Basil, in my head okay basil is the manager type i was casting a lot of people in this book with characters from the show superstore 
Mm. And Basil, even though he's described as, as black, was was a, uh, a Glenn from Superstore type for the six people out there who watched the show Superstore. I know you like the show Superstore. It's pretty good. For, for Basil, I went to um, John Turturro's character in Severance. It is my most recent like true believer corporate character. Okay. It's not a it's not an exact one to one because it's not mm-hmm. the same business environment. That's fine. But he does like he's the guy who's always he can quote the the handbook to you. He is invoking mm-hmm. corporate slogans as justification for his actions throughout the book. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if that's shared by Glenn on mm-hmm. Superstore or not. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got uh, Trinity who is. A hip sort cool a, girl. Yeah, like an anime girl. Yep, basically. she's an anime girl. <laughs> um, who believes in ghosts. We Who believes in ghosts. We've got Matt, who is a guy who mostly wants to sleep with Tiffany, but also would like to be on a ghost hunter show, but on Bravo and not Annie. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> um, We've got Ruth Ann. Ruth Ann is the last major character, and she's like a... I get, I feel like a lot of these archetypes are very familiar if you are if you have worked in retail ever, yeah. which I think both of us yep. have in yep. some capacity. Uh but like a, a nicer middle-aged lady, kind of a a lifer who has been there for like 12 or 13 years while everybody else is kind of in their early 20s and just going through there on the way to something else or like as a way to help get through school or or just, you know, whatever it is that brought them into that environment. <laughs> yeah, when we finally get Ruth Ann like speaking about her home life, the the portrait that she paints is not a pleasant one. It is a it is a lonely one at home. The portrait that she paints is honestly like bleaker than the one that we get from other non Ruth Ann sources. Yep. I think. yep. Yep. Um Nora says uh she cast Basil as Cheaty from the Good Place, which sure. is much more uh true to the way the character is described in the book yeah and and i also i think um in the in the first section of the book basil is kind of separate from the other characters yeah because he's management yes um by virtue of his yeah by virtue of his position and then over the course of the book he spends a lot of time like he and amy are in the thick of it together Um, but he doesn't feel like a I kept waiting for him to feel more like a like a jerk manager. Yeah, because he's a he is a kind of a true believer, like nerd who has the handbook memorized, but he has it memorized because he earnestly believes the yep all the things in there about how seriously they take the customer experience. When I think that a more cynical read of it is that it is all just kind of pablum. To, yeah, to like yeah. reduce corporate liability. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, and, and Ruth um, Ann's perspective too is like, I don't have anything else but this low wage job that gives me purpose and helped me get a new kitchen in my house. That yeah, I, and you know, like I what don't and like what, else. What's wrong with working this job? Like you are you are not too good for this job. That's yep. stupid. Yep, yep, yep. When when Ruth Ann gets real with Amy a couple of times, there's yeah. some. Like you just, you don't take anything seriously and you act like you're better than everybody else. But why, like, why do you do that? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, this book is split into basically like right in two, basically there's the, like the first half of it is there. We work in this retail store. It's a little bit workplace comedy ish. Mm-hmm. There is weird stuff going on. And there exists the possibility, like you, the you, the reader, know going in that stuff is going to get scary. But there, there exists the possibility that it could be like funny, scary, or <laughs> yeah, there's some explanation for it that is non supernatural that we find out about. Like it, yep. it, it could still go a Scooby Doo kind of way. Yeah, <laughs> if the book wanted to, because tonally, like that's what is that's what that is what is on the table. Yeah, and then exactly halfway through. <laughs> It becomes like Saw, body horror. Yes. Like <laughs> the ring. It becomes you know? very hard, very fast. And and the what it retains from a comedic perspective mm-hmm. in the second half, I think, is the setting. Like the mm-hmm. setting allows it to still be 
for lack of a better word, like whimsical, like it can, I don't know, an Allen wrench factors heavily into like the last sequence of the book. In a I real mean, it's not an Allen wrench. It's a, it's a proprietary tool that only <laughs> that sure. you can only get at Orsk. At Orsk. Um, but yeah, it is like the, the set dressing and the uh, chapter, you know, introduction pages and all of yeah. that stuff. It but works it becomes to, spooky, but but it works to keep the the spookiness like sort of funny, even as it gets really gruesome. Yeah, like a a little funny, but still like this is happening in IKEA. Like it is still very firmly anchored in the setting of it, and that's like honestly, I did have a good time with this book. Yeah, it was partly because I read it right after I finished reading Cast in Shadow, and I would have loved pretty much most anything. other books because yeah. <laughs> i was just thrilled that it wasn't cast in shadow sure uh but uh th- like the the location is what what makes the book i think the the characters are fine but they're all mostly types they're ho- it's a horror movie like i, I think, think i but, made but my like, piece with that early unlike a a horror movie i think most horror movies and horror books that we have read there is some like rising and falling of the, of the spooky action. Like there is, there is more of a gradual transition into like from something weird could be going on here to like the monster. I've, I've stared into the abyss and the abyss stared back like full on nightmare. Like this is definitely happening. It's definitely bad. Yeah. Yeah, sure. sure, And this, and this book turns on a dime in a way that, structurally is I, I i it was fine it was very it was very abrupt um uh it goes it's, zero to yeah. 60 yes. in one scene that we'll yes. talk about that yes. is really something mm-hmm. um well let, let's get there andrew mm-hmm. okay get me there the opening of the book and we don't you know there's not too much to spend a lot of time on but there's been some weird stuff happening at the store some stuff mm-hmm. has been breaking mm-hmm um, we open with somebody some- thinks that somebody's breaking in and pooping on the couches. Yeah, because there's like a tour that's happening. I think for some new employees or something. Yes, new hires. And somebody c- pooped all over the blorp couch or whatever the it's bruca. called. The bruca. Um, <laughs> they pooped on the bruca. And <laughs> all the names of the IKEA, the fake, the IKEA, fake IKEA stuff. Is, pretty like, good. All the, ch- all the chapter names are that. And so you've got like cure curing. <laughs> And mm. one weird and crank. <laughs> Swedish chef would have a field day with this book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, You're a pip. You're a pip. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And Amy notices some graffiti in the bathroom that references something called the beehive. Mm-hmm. More on that later. Mm-hmm. And Basil calls Amy and Ruth Ann in for a meeting. They think they're mm-hmm. going to get fired. They're not well, Amy get, thinks she's going to get fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, and that's one of those things where everyone in the store is like, oh, man, y'all are going to get canned, huh? Well, and Amy goes into the room and is like, well, Ruth Ann is much, much better at this job than than me. If she's going to get fired, I'm definitely yep. going to get fired. Yep. Uh, and Basil is like, hey, uh, something weird is going on. Corporate is sending some people in the morning. I asked everyone else. And you're the only ones left. I need you to spend the night here. We need to do sweeps of the store to catch whatever's going on. Yeah. He's like, I asked like six other people before you. And now I'm asking you because I know you'll say yes. Because yep. Ruth, Ruth Ann, you always say yes to everything. And Amy, I will approve your transfer to the Youngstown store that you ask for. Yes. If you, if you do this. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to do an initial like sweep of the store overnight. Uh, I have, have you ever been in one of these stores late at night, Andrew? I, the, probably the closest was the year I was working at office max and I went in early for black Friday. Oh no. <laughs> Which is maybe a different vibe than being in one late at night. But yeah, I closed office max a few times. You walk around, you do, you, you do facing, you know, about facing. 
I don't know about facing. Facing is when you go around all the shelves and you move stuff forward. So oh, everything sure. is all sitting on the like the face of the shelf. That makes sense. Yeah, it looks yeah. very tidy. Mm-hmm. Um, when I worked at Sam Ash Music, I had to stay overnight for inventory, like once or twice a year. What like like big inventory stuff, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The one that's most like this is when I was doing late nights doing holiday display installs at the Philly Macy's. I do. I remember your time doing this because you, <sighs> you needed the cash pretty mm-hmm. bad, but the people who do holiday decorating after dark at Macy's, including you sometimes yep. are a bunch of weirdos. Yep. Bunch of <laughs> a weirdos. bunch of lov- lovable weirdos. Yep. And <laughs> you know, you're in, the Wanamaker building till three or four in the morning. Mm-hmm. You're back behind walls that you don't eat. Like if you're a customer, you don't even think that there's you don't stuff know back that there, there are walls back there. Yeah. There's like bits of a giant Christmas tree being hung like, you know, big meat on hooks. Like it's very, it's very spooky. It's the only things that they put on hooks is meat. That's the only thing that they mm-hmm. put on hooks. Um, but so uh, Basil, Amy and Ruth Ann are going to stay late. Mm-hmm. And during the initial sweep where they split up. Split the party. Never a good idea. And Amy points out that it's a bad idea, but they do it anyway. Basil goes on his own and Amy and Ruth Ann find Trinity and Matthew making out on a bed. I mean, more than making out, but this is a family show, so we won't get into it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> There's a lot of writhing and, and yes. Uh, things you do on a bed? Yeah, things you, things you do on a bed, like playing cards and chewing gum. Yep. Well, they had used chewing gum to keep the side door open. Yeah, so they could get in. Because they yes. want to film their amateur ghost hunter show that they want to get on Bravo in the in the store they're not ghost here. bomb they're not, they not ghost bomb they're not authorized to be here but they are here anyway and so they're they don't they don't really i had to reread the section twice to to figure out why they weren't like and why are you here mm-hmm. um i think amy very quickly says like there's something going on basil has us doing floor sweeps and i was like okay fine whatever uh, mm-hmm. Trinity and Matt aren't going to ask any questions, mm-hmm. but Trinity is such a force of nature that she's like, "All right, we're going. You're going to help us. We're going to go around, put out our EMF readers, and set up cameras, and we got stuff to do." Yeah, I mean, you got when you're doing ghost hunter stuff, you got to make it look real. Yes, and mm-hmm. the tension between Trinity and Matt is that he wants to bone. Yeah, and she believes in ghosts. The, that's what you need to know about each of them. And is that he, <laughs> his interest in the ghost hunting project is mostly tied up in his interest in the first thing that you said. Yeah. <laughs> so when he gets, he goes off with Amy to set up some of the stuff. We learn a little bit more that like, he doesn't actually believe in any of that stuff. And she's he, kind of, he like, believes that there are experiences things that he believes that people can perceive things as ghosts. Mm hmm. But he doesn't believe that that actually makes them ghosts. I don't know if we need to crack open the do you believe in ghosts question on this. I I feel like we must have talked about it before, but. We probably have. Yeah, I'm like a no. I'm like not, you know, if a ghost wanted to pop up in front of me and say hi, I'd be like, hey, yeah, I guess. (laughs) I guess I believe in you. I have felt spooked and I have talked to people who believe that they've experienced things that's fine that's kind of where i'm at Mm -hmm. all the creepiest stuff that happens to me in my homes is related to unwanted water intrusion so like i don't need i don't need ghosts you've got other problems i've got i've got uh unexpected bills that's my that's the scariest thing of all you know that's true (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so two things happen yeah matt and amy get a little lost mm-hmm. and this is when like the layout of the ikea like store starts to play into how the book works yes because it, it talks about how intentionally like bewildering and confusing and not deadening but it's just supposed to it's supposed to just oppress you a little bit and like grind you down and manipulate you and yeah. it is being used now to a creepy effect instead of like impulse buying effect 
Yeah, I, I think there's a pretty good one to one there. I think it's a great setting for it to like to talk about this phenomenon yeah. and and there's all that also also that little bit where they're trying to walk somewhere and then they look at the viewfinder. I on love the that part and it's showing a different part of the store and they're like, well, what if to get to the place where we're supposed to going we we use the the viewfinder of the camera and treat that as reality and then they do get back to where they're going but, but so, so things are things are getting a little weird you know yes. we've got the beehive graffiti oh uh, there's like a stain in the ceiling that wasn't yeah. there before just yeah. very ominous uh there's this camera thing but but you know still still could be light or funny or like at least sort of beetlejuicy where he's like bad but he doesn't like want to kill you mm-hmm. specifically <laughs> And then they meet back up with the rest of the team. I think I don't remember if Basil's involved at this point. He is. He comes in at some point because he yells at um, Matt and Trinity for being there when they're not supposed to be. But then I think for this crucial seance scene, he has gone to try and meet the police that Amy called to. Yes. To deal with them but they never show up because it's a horror book and the police yeah. like either they show up and they don't see anything or they don't show up at all and, and they in this one it's it's they don't show up amy calls them because trinity saw something on her camera something yeah. rushed her and also because basil told her not to and she's just well, like well yeah well, that's all tell me what to do you're not my dad and they go to inspect what trinity may have seen there's someone in the building and they first they think it's a dead body, mm-hmm. and no, it's just a guy named Carl. Yeah, it's just Carl. He's just down on his luck. Yeah, he's got a kid. Yep, he's got problems, mm-hmm. and he needs a place to sleep at night. So he's been coming in to the Orsk and hanging out. Yep. And Basil takes a pretty generous approach because the handbook says you have to take care of everybody who comes into your store. Yeah, you gotta take care of your customers. <clears throat> so he's gonna, you know, he's gonna go outside. If the cops show up, they're not gonna arrest Carl. And Trinity's like, well, time for a seance. Time for a seance. Let's all handcuff each other. And they need, and we, we need five because three is not enough. Four is not good because an even number looks weird. So it has to be five people. It has so to be five for the camera. Ru- Ruth Ann and Amy and Trinity and Mark and Carl, because Carl's a good sport, yep. are all going to do this seance together. And would this be where you say the book turns, Andrew? Oh, it definitely turns. It's exactly the weird, like, mucus situation uh, that turns it. Yeah. Do you remember that one? Do you want me I, to tell it, or do you want to tell it? Why don't you talk about what happens during the seance, they're doing, Andrew? They're doing the seance, and they're all just kind of sitting, like, Trinity invokes, like, spirits or whatever, and they're all sitting there like you do at a slumber party waiting for something to happen and nothing seems to be happening. Yeah. And then like Trinity's nose starts running and then it's like running a lot and then it's like going into her mouth and then she's just like spitting up this like viscous white goo. Yeah. And does that become a ghost or is, or does Carl start talking? First it covers her. Yes. Like ectoplasm. Like ectoplasm. And then a bunch of it goes across the table uh-huh. into Carl. Yeah. And then uh-huh. and then Trinity like passes out and Carl starts speaking in a voice that's not Carl's voice. Yeah. And we we have heard so we have heard I think either from Trinity or Mark, I don't remember which of Matt. Matt, yes, yeah, sorry. The uh the ancient like insane asylum or yeah. whatever it was that this orsk is built on top of because again it's a horror book you gotta have some kind of so but <laughs> you gotta so have I, some I reason for the spirits to be vengeful this. yeah okay but what i like about it and it ties into philadelphia history whether or not quirk books knew this or not so two okay. things the acme that i go to all the time is the built one is built the on Oregon the site the, the passion one. Oh, really built on the site the of a former prison Oh no! Yeah, Man, is that why I could never find any good produce there? Am I, I right? know it's cursed. <laughs> you know, people know what I'm talking about. The other thing is Eastern State Penitentiary, which is this famous prison here in Philly. For many many years, they've had like you know Halloween stuff there and whatever. They've changed their 
curatorial exhibits to be about mass incarceration. It's it's a pretty good exhibit now. Hmm. Um, that was actually the model for this jail in the UK, Reading Jail, which is where Oscar Wilde went when he got put in prison. Yeah, um, for, for really good reasons. For really good, definitely reason. fine mm-hmm. reasons. Yeah, and the two years of like hard labor there actually caused him to you know to die early. Um, that that type of like uh, servitude and penitence through work and solitary confinement and things is like part of Philadelphia's history. Uh, so I just found that interesting as like, okay, that's the type of place that this fictional IKEA store inspired by the IKEA in Philly was <laughs> built on. <laughs> so yeah, it's got ghost energy. Yeah, so it, it must it must have been Trinity talking about why there would be ghosts in this Orsk in the first place. Is yeah, yeah, because it was built on top of this horrible torture prison, and so uh, the uh, Carl starts talking as the voice of this other this warden, per- this non Carl person, and yeah, it's Warden Worth, who's the creepy old warden who used to run the prison, and then he like takes like a blunt instrument and just like slices Carl's throat open. And then from there, everything goes downhill pretty quick. Yeah. Basil comes back. They have to like explain it to him. He doesn't really get it at first. Yeah. And then they all, so there's a lot of mentions throughout the book of all of these. And then this, this is very true to Ikea. There are a lot of little sections of the store that are set up to look like real rooms as though to give you an impression of how this furniture might look in your home. And these fake rooms have like fake doors and windows. And when the switch flips and the book and the store get creepy, all those windows and doors start going, going places and yeah. things start coming out. of. Them. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and that some of those doors lead to what feel like the prison. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a, you know, it's very house of leavesy. And that hallways just kind of, you know, don't make sense. But when I think at one point it is Amy, Basil, and I don't remember if it's Matt with her or not. Like they're going mm-hmm. down one of the hallways. I don't think there is ever a party of three after they get split at the, at the seance. Like Amy very briefly runs into um, Matt. Amy is with Basil a lot. Yep. Basil, Basil, I'm, I've lost Basil, track of how yeah. we're doing it, Basil. Um, but I don't think there's ever a big enough group of them to like do a team up and try and fight back against the Orsk. Oh, no. Like, Amy, Amy gets taken and like tormented really early and is in fact like kind of going under, like succumbing to the, the torment Yeah, when... The- Basil comes and finds her. Yes, the everybody gets split up. The and the thing that the book starts doing that it looks like this warden wants to do is like this ghost warden is whatever he peers into your soul, defines what your you know your primary worst qualities are, and he's going to punish you for them using some sort of you know IKEA furniture torture device. Mm-hmm. And so Amy is like strapped to this chair and it plays into this whole thing in her mind about like sitting down jobs versus standing up jobs. Yeah. Um, And yeah, and then Basil rescues her. But she's had like Stockholm syndrome where she thinks maybe this is what she deserves. And that's kind of everybody experiences a version of that when they get trapped by him. Yeah. Um, And so at this point, every chapter starts with one of the fake uh, like furniture ads that we talked about. So like chapter one. A sofa that's everything you ever dreamed a sofa could be. With memory foam cushions and a high back that delivers the support your neck deserves, Bruca is the relaxing beginning to the end of your day. Available in four screen, aubergine, cardinal, and night. Uh, Let's go down a little bit further. Let's go to the the Huga. Introduce your home self to your work self with the adjustable rolling Huga. Let the creativity you feel when you're at your most comfortable transform your workspace into a smart space. Available in Night Leather. Next chapter, after things have gone bad. 
Boasting several advantages over traditional forms of restraint, Bodivest confines the penitent and opposes the agitated movement of blood toward the brain, forcing the subject into a state of total immobility, conducive to self-reflection and free of stressful outside stimuli. Available in light oak and medium birch. <laughs> I had to read that one multiple times because mm-hmm. I was like, what is happening here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you had told me that something was going to happen with those. Mm-hmm. It, Yep. Switched on flipped. Now submit, they're all bad. Submit to the panic, fear, and helplessness of drowning with the hope of death, a distant dream. This elegantly designed Ingolut hydrotherapy bath allows the user to suffer the stress again and again until the cure is complete. Available in night birch, natural maple, and gray oak. <laughs> and the drawings are explicit. These are yeah, torture devices. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it's it, trying it, to kill you. It's not a, much like the book itself, there is not like a gradual transformation from from benign into horrible it's like right from could be actual ikea furniture to here is an ikea-esque description of of like a a rack like a like some horrible medieval torture yep and and the these get really graphic i was not quite prepared for how upsetting some of them were like the the ads or the descriptions no. of things that are happening. The descriptions of things that happen to yeah. our characters. It's pretty tough. Like people just like digging through a wall until their fingers are bones. It's like it is a lot of body horror stuff. Yeah, like Trinity's fingers getting fully broken. Mm-hmm. The yeah, the the way Ruthann doesn't make it. Ruthann doesn't make it. She tries to hide in or a does wall. She? Well, no, she definitely doesn't make it. Well, or does she? You're forgetting about the end of the book. We'll get to the end of the book when we talk about the end of the book. I, th- mm. I think comic book I rules, think, Craig. Comic book rules. No body, no death. I suppose. I think two of the three people might still be in there. I Maybe. don't know about Ruth Ann. I'm okay. Sure. I was just really. I got really skeeved out when. Yeah, that was that was all all of the descriptions of all of the people. It's, horrible yeah. graphic suffering is like it's, it's pretty bad yeah it's and, a lot and, and definitely people, the people in the in the chat who've read this book i feel like we have more people who've read it than, than sometimes yeah. than sometimes we do um and they are also saying yes it was a lot <laughs> finger stuff eye stuff head the, stuff the mauve adventures has that ruth ann is a goner which we'll see you know we'll see okay okay yeah. Caitlin says, I don't think there was any teeth stuff that I remember. I don't think there was teeth stuff. So if your specific thing is teeth stuff, I think you're safe. I think if you, if you don't like finger stuff, I got bad news for you because there's a lot of it. There's a lot of bad finger stuff in this book. Um, and, and it's like it's confined to individual scenes. Hannah says, I feel like I have a harder time reading gore than seeing it, but I don't watch much horror either. And I think the difference is that. I can look away from a movie and have the movie keep going. But if I want the book to keep going, I have to look at it. <laughs> it's similar to why horror game, horror video games are tougher for me too. Mm-hmm. Cause I have to, I have to keep playing them. Yep. 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 Even when they spook me. Yep. You sure um, do. But so yeah, we lose track of Trinity and Matt. Mm-hmm. Ruth Ann gets sucked into a hole and this is all happening. <laughs> There, there is this kind of like, uh, like almost zombie horde of uh, ghost prisoners. Yeah, penitents. Penitents um, that have been unleashed by the warden into the store, uh, and we learn that the government was coming to shut down his prison because it uh-huh. was so bad. Yeah, and so he drowned everybody. And so he drowned everyone. I think, including himself. Including himself, and that's why the store is slowly filling up with cold, gross water. Yes. <laughs> through yes. all of these horrible, not doors and not windows throughout the Ikea. And yes. you keep getting, you do spend a lot of time in like weird hallways and stuff, but you do keep getting little snippets of, oh, we just have to like go to the children's section and we'll be safe. Like you keep, it keeps anchoring you in the, ikea and giving you these little glimpses of the of the normal giant retail store yep, that these people yep. spent the first half of the book in um and like the the team up that finally happens is basil and amy trying to like make it through together i think amy at one point 
gets out of the store. She does. She gets all the way out and she thinks about like the, the way that the warden tries to torture her is like, you just, you give up and you quit everything because quitting is easier than like trying and failing. Yep. Basically like you just, that you quit everything, go away. And she is, she is thinking about that. And she's thinking about how Basil like came back for her because he has an earnest belief given by the employee handbook that you need to prioritize the well-being of customers and partners. Yes. Partners are the the employees at the, the store. The employees. Oh god. <laughs> this is this is the way that Orsk chooses to uh perpetuate the workplace as a family myth is calling everybody partners. Yeah. My my favorite corporate slogan in the book was the sign that says have a question just Orsk. <laughs> That was really funny. <laughs> I laughed a lot when I read yeah, that. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so she goes back and like her, as I alluded to earlier, like her like arc is someone who doesn't believe in herself, doesn't believe she has value, kind of coming to a realization about herself that she can be there for other people and help other people. Because um, I think at one point Basil like asks her like they get they have like a real conversation which tends to happen in these types of stories where like yeah. in, in a lull, they kind of connect. Mm-hmm. And he talks about becoming a manager being the only way that people will talk to him and listen to him. And he doesn't understand why people like her and why people connect with her and talk to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- she kind of realizes that that is a thing that she does have and that she should I think, honor. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the parts. And we've had people in the chat talk about like not, you know, not necessarily loving loving the book. I think that's one thing that we don't quite get because it go because it's one day basically, like it's one twenty four hour period, one that, crazy that, that night. <laughs> but you you know you start with Amy coming into the store in the morning and then you go through this this night. I think yeah. the book would have benefited a little bit more from. Showing more of how Amy is like perceived by everybody else. That that might have helped if we spent more time in the day of the of the shift leading up to the wacky evening. Yeah, or even like more time for like a couple of weeks for Spooky to to build a little bit, like yeah. for for the stuff like the the poop couch stuff that is. It could be spooky, but it could also be totally normal just for that to escalate up to the point where it can't possibly be normal anymore, which is the, sure. like turning point, the, the like hinge point for a lot of horror stuff. That's the um, thing I feel like it's probably informed by horror films where yeah, sure. usually this kind of thing does happen. It's like one night. It's like, bam, all, all of a sudden stuff is just breaking. Like there isn't that type of escalation because yes. it like keeps the tension. Mm-hmm. But you're right. The other the thing that this book is doing a little bit of that movies don't typically have time for are those little like moments of character self reflection and the type of insight you can get from being slightly in a character's head. Mm-hmm. That yeah, you could take a little bit more time. Dan with says, that. "Who can relate to capitalism being the villain? It's so great." Well, <laughs> that's the other thing about the book that I that I do like a lot mm-hmm. is it's. How like the 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 thing we talked about with like tying in the retail strategy of Orsk, where it just kind of like sucks you under and suffocates you, yeah. <laughs> with the way that the the warden is trying to also literally do that to you, just drawing the parallels between those is is good. It made me think a little bit about a book we read a couple of years ago, Friday Black, which is yes. a, uh, like yes. a short story collection that is also like what if what if Black Friday the horrible retail holiday with more like explicit horror elements layered over top of it. So as to draw parallels between the two of them. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a, it's a rich vein, especially for anybody who's done any retail stuff at all. Well, and, and none of the characters have to say, Oh my God, Orsk is like a prison. Like yeah, it just, no, no, it no. literally was a prison mm-hmm. and it is one again. And the people who were in it when it was a prison had to do work they didn't want to do. And the people who are in it now when it's a retail store do work that they don't have to like, yeah, it's that's, just very <laughs> efficient in the way that a lot of, I think horror movies um, and this type of genre fiction can get away with that type of like, I don't mean this pejoratively kind of like slapdash, like quick and dirty allegory 
mm-hmm. stuff, um, which usually just makes it feel fun because you because you you're making those connections while people are getting strapped to creepy treadmills <laughs> and having their <laughs> fingers broke and stuff. Yeah, there is very, one like very slightly on the nose line toward the end that I remembered that I just looked up uh, where and so we don't. Uh, where Amy just says there was a prison here and we built a new prison on its ruins and all the old prisoners came out to give it a try. <laughs> That's when it gets the most explicit about the yeah capitalism is its own kind of prison. Well, thing. it is though. It's so is. it is. So yeah, so her Oof. and Basil do make it out. Yes, and they're as oh. happens often. They're pairing is made more meaningful by how much Amy didn't get along with Basil yes. before. I, I don't like think that. Basil I don't think Basil could have not gotten along with anybody. Like the the antipathy is not coming from him. Correct. Yes. <laughs> they do defeat the warden uh by telling all the penitent ghosts that they're dead now and don't aren't beholden to him anymore. It's basically like they unionize the ghosts. Yes. But that, but so they get rid of the boss ghosts, but then they're all still, they are all still ghosts. Yes. You think for a minute that the ghosts might be, the penitents might be, oh, you, you freed us. Now we, now we're pals with you, but it's like, no, we're going to keep trying to kill you. It's just, we're not going to be as focused about it. Yeah. We're doing it because we want to, not because someone told us. To. <laughs> so like the final Horror sequence is her and Basil getting locked up in some not Ikea furniture in like a flood. Um, she uses her proprietary Allen wrench to get out of there. Yeah. Just fun. The linchpin of the climactic sequence of the book is that this furniture isn't that great. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, and then while they're getting treated outside, one of the representatives from Orsk Corporate is like, hey, can you just not tell anyone about this? And we'll we give, you give you some jobs chi- in some Pittsburgh. Cherry gigs. Um, which neither of them take. Yeah. And then there's like this kind of like double epilogue situation. Right. Where like we have the funerals for the people who never made it out of the store. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of them take the job. Amy spends several months just doing nothing. Yeah, just kind of being traumatized by yeah. the horrible thing that she's gone through. And then that is one thing I did respect about what the book did is like it, it could have been, you know, the sun's up. It's like nothing ever happened. Yep. Nobody believes them. But no, this this retail store was completely flooded and ruined by some horrible nightmare. And like there's no evidence that it was ghosts, but it did really get really ruined and it really happened. I did like that. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. that and that the people in charge kind of seemed to know that maybe that was a problem and just yeah. cover it up. Yes. Um, yes. I'm I'm doing a a rewatch of uh Buffy. Oh. Susanna and and listen, it's it's been a tough watch for me since it came out that Joss Whedon was like horrible to every every woman he worked with on that entire show. <laughs> yeah and there's a lot of like xander is an incel stuff oh, that is just not sitting right oof, woof. but you do get uh moments where yes actually the authority figures do know that everything is is monsters all the time and they're just like actively covering it up that that's what this reminded me of because oh, yeah. of just yeah. like proximity yeah for sure mm-hmm. um and then we get the the second epilogue where the store, a new store has been rebuilt. Planet Baby. This is the great name for a store. <laughs> Planet Baby. It is as though Babies R Us did not get ruined by uh, vulture capitalists. Yep. <laughs> Planet Baby is here mm-hmm. and she gets a job there um, with the explicit goal of trying to save her friends who she thinks might still be in the store. Yes, she's gonna she's gonna stay there overnight. Oh, somebody just Brent says T minus ten seconds till Andrew's baby voice. Hmm, maybe. So yeah, Amy and Amy and Basil have both come back. Amy has not responded to Basil's attempts to get in touch with her because he assume she assumes that he took the cushy corporate job. Yeah, he didn't. He's been as tormented by the fact that none of their like coworker slash friends' bodies were never found as she was. So they both get jobs at the planet baby. Uh-huh. 
and they are both going to stay all night in the planet baby because they want to go back in the prison and they want to see if they can get their pals out. And that's where the book ends. That's where the book ends. That's where the story ends. There is a little bit more stuff that I, I, I thought was great. Um, with the, with the, so you go past the end of the story and then there's just a bunch of coupons for planet baby merch. Yep. And then ominously, it's the Planet Baby 24-hour sleepy time sale. On July 27th, Planet Baby provides round-the-clock convenience for mom and dad with 24 hours of continuous shopping. Doors open at 6 a.m. and stay open until 6 a.m. the following morning. So much fun, you'll never leave. Uh-oh. Which, is, which simultaneously actually sounds kind of great for new parents because, you know, that stuff happens when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> but... Knowing what we know, which is that the store becomes a nightmare prison after the sun goes down. Uh, yeah. The Mob Avenger asks, do you think there's going to be a sequel? This came out in 2014. I don't I don't think so. There there have been... Rumors of both a TV and a film adaptation. Right? Yeah, like the th- it's been optioned a couple of times, but never like made into anything. So I think that could possibly be something, but... I I doubt a sequel will will happen. I think you get to you get to make your own assumptions about what ends. And so my deal with Ruthann, everybody Craig and everybody else okay. also who thinks that Ruthann didn't make it, I don't understand why you would think that the other two could possibly be alive and Ruthann be dead because like the same stuff happened to all of them. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. We saw, we saw more of it happen to Ruthann. Amy just assumes she's gone but like her body's never found i'm just trying to remember what about ruth ann's death made me think that she was she was pretty messed up and she gets like dragged off into a pit by a bunch of penitents she like claws out her eyes yeah like it's bad i'm not saying it's good but i think at one point at least amy's interpretation of what happened is that ruth ann like ended her life by giving herself over I mean, but, that's what she thinks, but no, again, I understand. We never, we never, we never, we never saw a body. And I just think sure. the other, if the other two can be in there, then Ruthann can be in there. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Like, it's like a Barb situation. Now, I don't think anybody, like Stranger Things, if they are still going to be alive in there, I don't think anybody's going to have like a good, an easy adjustment coming out. That's but, the thing. It's going to, it's at least what, like six months later? Yeah, it's a of while. being in there. Yeah, though who I mean, who knows how time passes in the nightmare prison? That's true. Who mm-hmm. knows? But yeah, this was a fun read. Good find. Hannah, Hannah says if she was on an episode of Supernatural, Amy would have like seventy more lives left. Yeah, well, <laughs> that show ran for like a bajillion years, didn't it? it sure did. Oh boy, that's Supernatural. Supernatural. How long? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a good album too. Um. By Santana? The one with Smooth? Mm, I don't think you could say that one single makes a good album. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's, there's songs on that album. All right. If you say so. Go back and give it a listen. Give no, it a I'm try. Not do that. <laughs> uh, maybe you'll go to Ikea. Some of those songs will be playing on the radio. Anyway. I don't think I could go into an Ikea now, at least not if it's not daytime out. There were there were people in our local Facebook group talking today. Laura was telling me about mm-hmm. wondering when the IKEA's kid zone would reopen. Because you know, closed. The kid zone's been closed since lockdown started. Since oh, really? The beginning of COVID. They closed the kid zone, and people were lamenting the loss of the kid zone as like a good rainy day indoor playground that you could go to. That kind of stuff. <clears throat> it was the same thing when the. Um, the Barnes and Noble on uh, Rittenhouse Square moved, and everybody was like, "This is the, best, the best public bathroom. bathroom in the entire city." And I listen. Have I used that bathroom and not bought anything from that Barnes and Noble? Of course I have. I live. I'm, I'm a Philadelphian, and yep. I've I've adopted the city as my own. <laughs> yep. And everything good and bad about it. <laughs> Go birds. Um, yeah, go but birds. <laughs> it just. It is simultaneously nice that humans can come together and find community in different spaces, but it does also is super bleak and sucky that yeah. we need private entities to yeah. be supplying this stuff for us. Yep. 
I yep. would love to go to the free library branch around here with Henry they're not and open. do some like readings and stuff. They're open exclusively during work and school days. <laughs> For like half the day. Yep. It's a nightmare. Yeah. That's the real nightmare. That's the real nightmare. Underfunded again, city we, again, we came back to capitalism doing the yeah, doing the bad thing. Um but yeah. But don't worry, when we elect the shop right guy mayor, he'll fix it all. Oh my god. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> this is a fun book. I'm glad you found it. It was a neat read. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's perfect, but again, I I, I if you want to enjoy this book, read like a really rough book right before and then read this one <laughs> and you'll have a great time. <laughs> but also, I just I have an easier time forgiving shortcomings in a book when the book itself is not very long. It's like you you had something that you came here to do and you did it and it doesn't have to be everything and that's fine. Yeah. It delivers on the premise. Yeah. That's what it needs. And and mm-hmm. it introduced me to the name of a store called Giant, Gi- not Giant, Planet Baby. Planet Baby. Giant Planet Baby. Mm-hmm. Pretty good name. Um, Planet, Planet Baby. There it is. There it is. What is it? Daddy Hungry? <sighs> Daddy Not Hungry. You might say that if Daddy you Fifty. if there was a cafeteria at the Planet Baby. Yeah, Daddy Hungry. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Daddy uh, want meatballs. <laughs> now I am in a horror story. <laughs> the real, the real, <laughs> the real monster was the baby voice. Yep. Thanks mm-hmm. everyone for listening. If you have thanks a fun, for listening, <laughs> a fun IKEA story that you want to tell us, you can send us an email. At overduepod at gmail.com. Hit us up on social media at overduepod. Our theme song is by Nick Larangis. Thanks to everyone who joined us in the chat for this recording. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where do they go? Dan, Dan says, Daddy Hungry for Unionized Action. Oh, yeah. Stwikes. <laughs> Stwikes. Scabby the Wat. <laughs> Overduepodcast.com is our internet website. Up there we have Winks and. <laughs> to the books that we have read and the ones we are going to read. You can click those winks and buy those books and you can weed them and we get a cut of the money and your local independent book sale will gets a cut of the money <laughs> and you get a book and everybody wins. Huzzah. Uh, Patreon.com slash overdue pod. If you're in don't the you chat. Don't you mean Patreon? Patreon. We like our Patreon donors. We don't want to be swayed. We don't want to. <laughs> Sorry, that's Elmer Fudd. Excuse All the people me. in the chat who are simultaneously egging me on and telling me to stop it can, like, you know about this already, but if you go to Patreon.com slash overdue pod, you can give us a little bit of money to help support the show and get us new equipment and, like, validate our existence as human beings on this earth. Uh, Through and you, Yeah, and you get to hang out in our Discord Yep, and uh, do bonus streams and get bonus episodes early, all kinds of other stuff. So yep, thank you, everybody, it. who's here for doing that. We'll be doing another one of these next month. It yeah. will be... A choose your own adventure. Ooh, uh, the, choose your own adventure. Oh my god! The, the polls, the fun stream <laughs> is closing in just a few hours from this recording. Oh no, it's closing. Oh man! Um, so you can find out how to weigh in on those polls uh, for monthly books. Uh, again, February. Thank you. February February is our do overdue month, which by the Mm -hmm. time this is on the main feed should be in full swing. Um, So hope that you are enjoying those episodes. That's all, Andrew. Get me out. If I can find the path out of this podcast. If you can find the path out of the podcast, everybody, thank you for listening. Until we hit you next time, try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.